Thank you so much for listening to this pre-recorded episode of Agent Chat Live. Agent Chat Live is a spinoff of Pub Talk Live. To find out more about both shows, go to pubtalk.live. Thank you so much to my Patreon podcast supporters, Brenda Drake, Jay Lynn, and Reframe. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's kind of hard to tell exactly when the video goes live, so there's always that awkward pause for a minute, like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I realized I didn't set up my windows like the way that I like them usually. So I'm trying to do that. So if I sound distracted for the next 15 seconds, that's why. <laughs> um, so that I can read my notes at the same time. Um, all right. Welcome, everyone, to Agent Chat Live. This is, I think, the third, third or fourth one that I've done. Um, and it was kind of formatted as like a, a casual chat with literary agents. And um, so you can get to know their personalities a little bit, their working style a little bit, and just kind of get to know them a little bit better. Um, and that was the whole goal of it. And um, it's going really well, and I'm really enjoying it. So today we have Jennifer March Soloway. Uh, is an associate agent with the Adrian, Andrea Brown Literary Agency. She enjoys all genres and categories such as laugh out loud picture books and middle grade adventures, but her sweet spot is young adult. She adores action-packed thrillers and mysteries, throw in a dash of romance, and she's hooked. But as much as she loves a good thriller, she finds her favorite novels are literary stories about ordinary teens focused on family, relationships, sexuality, mental illness, or addiction. And Andrea, I mean, uh, the, the website for Andrea Brown and also the Twitter for Jennifer is in the description below. So you can go check her out. Um, all right. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring on Jennifer. Oh, I got to unmute you. I'm sorry. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone right. for joining us. I'm excited to talk today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, it's glorious. It's so good. <laughs> all right, we have a lot of people coming in and saying hi. Um, Tamara said good morning because Tamara is in Australia. <laughs> yeah, um, Jessica, hey, hey, Jessica. All right, um, so oh, and oh, <laughs> hey, Heather. Um, so pubbers, it, so I have the show pub talk live. That's my regular show. That's twice a month. Um, and one day during one of the episodes, the, um, the regulars who come to most of the shows, they, uh, named their community name. So that that's what, if you see, Hey pubbers in the comments, that's what's going on. Oh, okay, nice. and, yeah. So we welcome everyone to become a pubber. It's a very great community. I love them. Um, Jessica says, <laughs> you can be a pubber. <laughs> Jessica says, hi, Jennifer. Kelly says, hi. Gray says, hey, Jennifer. All right. Um, so I mentioned in the beginning, my goal here is to kind of help potential clients get to know you a little bit better. And viewers are welcome to drop questions in the comments. But I do want to say to start off that I won't really be any asking any questions that like a simple Google search can answer because we have such a limited time today. I want to make sure, you know, we get those, those more personal questions in. And also we won't be asking any questions that are like what I like to call pre-queries where like, would you be interested in my specific concept? <laughs> um, <laughs> because I want to help as many people as possible. And but I will answer that question really fast. The answer is yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now everyone has their answer. <laughs> Um, I won't know until I read it. Yeah, exactly. I'm very open. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so why don't you just start off speaking of by letting us know what categories and genres you represent? Yeah. So um, Andrew Brown Literary is a, we specialize in children's lit. Um, and I represent picture books and chapter books. That's a new category for me. Um, middle grade, young adult, um, and then there are several agents at our agency that also represent some adult projects, and I am one of four. Um, and uh, so for picture books, when I first started, I and it says on many of my bios that I really love laugh out loud funny. 
Like if, if you want to get me, make me laugh. And that's still the, that's still the case. I love a good crowd pleasing read aloud. That is really funny with where you can imagine like a crowd of kids laughing at every page turn. However, um, I fell in love with a very beautiful, very sweet picture book called If You Miss Me, which I sold to Scholastic and it's been coming out next year. Um, and it is about grief and death um, in the most beautiful way possible. It's about a little ballerina who um, dances with her grandmother and then over the course of the book, her grandmother um, passes away and she feels lost and doesn't know how to go on and loses the steam to dance. And then she realizes she's closest to her grandmother when she is dancing. And her grandmother always would tell her, if you miss me, look at the moon and the same moon that shines for you shines for me. And I'll be looking back at you. And she kind of discovers the love and the power to keep dancing. And I'm not doing it justice. It's such a beautiful book. It makes me cry every time and I love it. So I'm really open to a lot of different picture books. Um, for middle grade, I especially love, um, funny, I like hijinks, I like mysteries, I would love to find a good spooky ghost story. Um, I always loved spooky stories when I was a kid, I still do. Um, for young adults, uh, as you read in my bio, um, I love a good thriller, I like a good bad relationship, I would love to find some bad romance. Um, I love friend breakup stories. I think friendship is really hard. <laughs> so like, um, you know, how do you navigate those kind of relationships? Um, I love, you know, fraught family relationships, bad mother-daughter relationships. Um, I like complicated, <laughs> compli I think it's really hard to get along with other people and I love to read about it. <laughs> um, but I also love um, social justice novels. Um, I especially, um, I'm very interested in addiction and mental health, and um, which I also think really plays into relationships. Um, I especially love a really good confiding literary voice where I feel like the character is talking and confiding to me things that they can't, they have no one else in their life that they can tell those things. So those are the kinds of stories I love, but. Um, you know, you might have something that's perfect for me and I might not have even thought of it and I will read it and go, wow, this is great. Um, when I first started agenting and I went to New York, um, I had, <laughs> I would go see people and they would say, like, they would say something like, you know, I don't like contemporary YA. Do not send me contemporary YA. It is not my thing at all. So just last year I bought this really good contemporary YA and I love it so much and it's really wonderful and I'd be like, but you, but you, anyway, and that seemed to happen in every single meeting. And I realized <laughs> I better, you know, keep the door open for anything because you might have the next best thing and I want it. So please do. And then on the adult side, if any of you are a writing adult, um, I really love psychological horror. I love psychological suspense. I also like really bad relationship stories <laughs> on the adult side too. I um, yeah, and surprise me. I'm also open to literary fiction, although I'm probably not, I'm not doing as much of that, but I'm definitely open to it. Oh, boy. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it's good. You really like those complicated relationships. I love <laughs> and I really like spooky stories. I love to be scared, but not slasher. I mean, I like a good mm -hmm. slasher. Or two, but more <laughs> like a, I love a bad, a good B movie horror. But um, and if you had a good B movie horror that was funny, yes, <laughs> I would love right. that. Um, but um, but yeah, funny horror, scary. Give me something scary, even in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I love creepy. <laughs> All right. Um, Amparo said hello. Amparo was um, on an episode of Pop Talk Live a couple of weeks, weeks ago. So I always love when I see some of my guests in the comments. It's great. Um, all right. So why and also, I guess, how did you get into agenting? How did you get started? Yeah. So I like to joke that um, I am a newer agent, but not a young agent. This is a second career for me. I have a background. Uh, I studied journalism in college. Um, sold out and went into PR and marketing. I worked in um, 
financing at, at the very beginning and banking at the very beginning, but then I um, moved on to nonprofit healthcare for kids and families, which was very important to me. Um, we were our our um, organization was trying to ensure the uninsured in California, and I would work with um, different media outlets trying to get our word out to, to reach those families in need. Um, we worked with a lot of different, uh, I was in San Francisco, we worked with a lot of different communities that had, um, you know, Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, Laotian, like we worked in many different languages. It was very exciting for me and fun um, and meaningful. Um, and then I also worked in toys. And when I was working for the toy company, I ran contests, um, we did promotions, I wrote the, I produced the catalog, I would run toy fair every year for my agents, for my company. And then I also was a um, toy inventor liaison. And so what I would do is I would tour the country and I would meet with toy inventors and they would pitch me their ideas. And then every Friday I had a weekly meeting at my company where we would bring in the ideas and then I would pitch them to my company. And then if my company agreed and liked the ideas that I pitched to them, then I would turn around and negotiate the contract and negotiate the deal for the company. So it was really fun and I loved it. And then, but the, around that time I was still wanted to go back to my first love, which was writing and literature. And so I went back and got an MFA in creative writing from Mills College, where I studied an emphasis in young adult literature. And, uh, and then I took some time off and then fast forward, I got a chance to meet Laura Rennert, who is the executive agent at our agency. And I got a chance to work for her. And at first I just wasn't sure. I kind of just wanted to learn more about publishing and the business. But then the more I worked for Laura, the more I realized I loved agenting. Like it just checked all my boxes. I, I loved working with people editorially. I loved writing pitches. I loved looking at contracts and understanding the terms and seeing who was getting, if they were getting their best deal or not. Um, I loved looking at royalty statements to discern like it, did they get, you know, what, how, what was selling when and how and where. Um, and, uh, and also I realized it had a lot, it was very similar to when I was a toy inventor liaison. And so like it just sort of all came together. Um, but the thing that was most exciting for me was definitely editorial. I really, really enjoy working with someone and giving them ideas and helping them elevate their story. If I can give them feedback and they're like, oh, this is exactly what, oh, yes. And then they come back with an amazing revision. It just is so gratifying for me, incredibly gratifying. So anyway, I worked for Laura for three and a half years and then I got promoted and I'm in middle of 2016. And so it's been about four years and it's been very exciting and fun. And now I have great clients and we've got some books that are out this year. Yeah. Um, Awesome. I love, I, when I met you, first met you the first time um, we met in person and you told me about the uh, toy inventor liaison and I was like, you were a literary agent, but for toy inventors, like that's yeah. basically, <laughs> that's so cool. I love um, toy inventors. Their brains think in ways that mine don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you are so cool. How do you even think of that way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So um, my Patreon supporters um, get to submit questions ahead of time. Um, and so this is a good time to mention that if you want to support the show and some of the other things I do, you can go to patreon.com slash pub talk live. Um, so this question is from Lodestar. And he asked, what was your experience as a fellow at the San Francisco Writers Grotto in 2012 like? It sounds fascinating, but I never heard what it's like. So I'm going to talk specifically about the Grotto, but um, but you know there there are fellowships all over the country. So if you are an aspiring writer, I, I highly encourage you to apply for them. Um, different fellowships mean different things. Um, the Grotto specifically was a, a quiet place to write and also a place to network and to meet a writing community. So San Francisco Writers Grotto is a community of writers, and they have office space uh, in the South of Market, Financial District of San Francisco. Um, it's an incredible group of amazing writers. Um, it's a place where you can write quietly, but it's also, they have lunches every day, they have networking events, they have parties, and it's just an incredible community to be a part of. Uh, for me, it was, I think it was a three month, 
oh gosh, now I can't remember, it's three or six months. <laughs> um, but I would go in twice a week to work at the grotto. I would have lunch with people. I would meet with people and I participated in many of their events. And then at the end, it culminated with me doing a reading of my own writing, which was really fun. Um, it actually helped me a lot um, to think about uh, editorial feedback too, because one of the things I think is important about doing a reading is um, you realize when you read out loud how something is actually working on the page. And um, I was so nervous about doing my reading. I read my pages over and over and over again and make sure I was right with the timing. And I find things like I would read, 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 and a different word would come out of my mouth than was on the page like every single time. And finally I was like, I think the word in my mouth is what should actually be on the page. So it's a great editing tool and I even do it to this day. If I'm struggling with something or especially when I'm working on picture books, I always read things out aloud myself multiple times to help my clients. But the grotto was incredible. I, um, I was a member there for a little bit afterwards. I had to give it up because I wasn't using it enough. Um, but I love the grotto and love all the people there and they've, just been they've been a wonderful source of support for me especially early in my career awesome that sounds fun yeah um okay cool uh you had said something but i wanted to ask you a moment oh oh the um <laughs> you were talking about when you're practicing your reading and you're practicing and making sure it fit in time and i'm sure everyone appreciates that because i i feel like we've all been to readings where the person was not aware of how much time they were reading, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, so. or when they're nervous and they're, it's like, I wanted it to be dynamic. I wanted it to work well. I wanted to engage my, with my audience and I-, I Reading I, is hard, it, it really is. I mean, for some of us, I'm sure some people are <laughs> fine with it. Um, well, I mean, the other thing is, and I tell this to all my picture book clients and I tell this to people when I go to conferences, like some people are dynamic readers and I'm a pretty dynamic reader. So I can make things sound good, even if it's maybe not quite working yet. Um, and so, but I always recommend like, if you are struggling with something, actually have someone else read your work to you, um, which can be very painful, especially if they don't have the voice that you imagine in your head. <laughs> um, and I, I, my best friend that I live with has a very monotone, terrible voice reading voice. I love him, but he's really bad at this. So he'll read, <laughs> he'll read something and it will be like, I'll read the beginning of private lessons. Like he'll read like this, like I've done everything I could do to make Paula Avon like me. I've listened to every sonata and concerto and play rhythm. It's like really bad. Like it grates on my mind. Um, but if he can read something and it sounds good coming out of his mouth, you know. so I always yeah. tell everybody find someone who actually is a bad reader and see if they trip over the language or if they're able to read something coherently and if it sounds good coming out of their mouth your goal you hit it especially with the picture book yeah I know um last week or two weeks ago Lodestar and Jay um were talking about they have Microsoft Word read their manuscript back to them um I was like oh wow <laughs> all right <laughs> hard when they're like the person's really bad and you're like no that's not yeah. how imagine it <laughs> well it was um so the edge browser will read pdfs to you and i had an instance a couple weeks ago where i had to do that and it was actually not as bad as i was expecting it was more mm -hmm. human sounding than i expected it wasn't like perfect like it wasn't exactly human but it was pretty good and so um and i think they said like word is similar it's not as bad as you expect it to be oh i should try that actually that's interesting yeah. Why not? <laughs> Try everything. That's a, that's my motto. Especially in the pandemic, like I'm sure my son is like he's hearing me read stuff out loud. So I even read submissions if I like, like especially with mm. picture books. I'll read the submission out loud to see if. It yeah, makes picture sense. books you have to read out loud for sure. You got to read it out loud. Yeah, <laughs> but I read everything. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're gonna do a quick round. So these are just it's five, okay. yeah, five questions um, that Take I'm gonna ask and. Yeah, in in you know, five to ten seconds or less. Um, uh, the first the first okay. question is actually inspired. So when I was trying to come up with a name for the show, um, I was trying to come up with a name that indicated kind of like the informal, like chatty nature of it. 
And one of the Patreon supporters had suggested snack time with an agent, which I really liked. Oh, but yeah. I also, yeah, I also didn't want to imply it was like for kidlet only because I interview like all kinds of agents. Um, and so that's what inspired the first question. So we're just okay. going to go, but I wanted to give that heads up. So okay. the first question is, what is your favorite snack? <laughs> uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's <laughs> oh, mm, good. What is your preferred caffeine source? Latte. 2% milk. No sugar, blonde and bitter like me. <laughs> um, is there a word that you irrationally hate? Ooh. Ooh. I'm sure there is, but it's not coming to me. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't, gosh, can I give you a rain check? Like, I'm sure I'm like at three in the morning, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I'll, I'll if I think of it. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, is there any person that bad hasn't written one? Like, I would sorry? say, that, you know what? There's some bad words I don't like. Oh, okay. I don't like, I don't like a profane word for a woman's genitalia. Like, just, yeah. Also a cat. Those two. Like it just doesn't, that's a word I really dislike. Okay. <laughs> Especially when it's in reference to my body. Hmm. I see. <laughs> that was a little R-rated. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, you didn't say you didn't say the words, so we're good. Um, all right. Uh, is there any person that has not written one who you'd like to read a memoir from? Oh gosh. Um, gosh, you're asking really great questions. Um, So I, yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking like, I'll probably say somebody and they probably have written a memoir, <laughs> um, but I just don't know about it. Um, all right, this is going to reveal something weird about me. How about Ed Kemper? I've kind of been, I just watched Mindhunter and I'm sort of fascinated. Um, with him. And I just was reading about him the other day. I'm a crime yeah. junkie. I'm kind of intrigued yeah. by him. Cool. I don't think he's written a memoir. I don't think so, but I, dark, you know, a dark conversation for me tonight. I'm talking about like, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what the answer to the next question is and see okay. if you can turn it around. <laughs> Who's your favorite superhero? Oh, do I, can I pick from the Incredibles? Sure. Um, I like, and now I'm forgetting her name, you know, the, um, the mom from the Incredibles. Oh Yeah. Uh, Elastigirl. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's that's a nice wholesome answer. I like it. Back to G rated. Um. All right. So we have a couple of questions. So I'm gonna go to uh, audience questions for maybe one or two. Um. Tamara asks, I was wondering if you believe all picture books have to have a lesson. Um. So not necessarily in the didactic kind of way, but what I, but yes, in terms of a character arc, like I think that um, the best picture books that a character will experience the story and emerge from that story older and wiser and better equipped to face their world. So in that sense, it can be a wonderful lesson about how to be a good friend or how to um, handle yourself when you are tired or cranky or when you want something and you don't get it. Those are, you know, universal truths that we all have to kind of figure out. And, and the best kind of stories will teach us how to do that or show us a way to do that in a really entertaining and charming way. Um, but not necessarily like, you know, a specific lesson, like don't do this or yes, do that. But in, I would say all good stories, you know, have teach us something about humanity and ourselves and universal truths and, um, and help us become better people. All right. Awesome. Hannah asks a question that I know when I was querying, I agonized over yeah. as well. If, you're asking questions. if I can alleviate that, I would love to. <laughs> 
How finished does a manuscript need to be to submit? With every draft I write, I always feel like there's something different that I could be doing with the story. When is it ready? I know, I agree with you. And some, and, and actually, just to let you know, you're not alone. I worry about that even with my submissions, going to editors, like what, like it's never ready, is it? Like nothing is ever enough. Um, I, it's a great question to ask. Um, and and unfortunately, I would say most people send me things that are too early, that are actually not ready for me, um, that still need a lot of work. So I'm going to answer in a long roundabout way, and then I'm going to come back to it. So for me, being your agent, I'm an editorial agent, and I think I'm I think I'm pretty good, and I think I'm pretty helpful, especially if I have a vision to help someone with a prop. Like if I when I read a project, and I'm like. Oh, I see what this needs and I have ideas of how the author might elevate the story and get it to that place where we can be ready for submission. I have three really good rounds in me where I am coming into it fresh, where I've got ideas and I'm, and I'm objective and I can really see the project and see the many layers. Once I read more than three times, I'm not as fresh. I'm not as good. I know what the author is trying to do. And it's going to be harder for me to be, I'm also invested and I love it and I want you to be the best you can be. And I'm not, I'm not going to be able to see it as clearly as I can those first three rounds. So I would say if you want to work with me specifically, you want to send me something where you can maximize me as an asset to you and so that I can help you within those three rounds. And it's not that I wouldn't go further with you, it's I will work as long as someone needs the work, um, as many rounds as it takes. But if you can get to me right in that sweet spot where we're like at two or three rounds to get you ready, I think that's best. Now, it's really hard to be objective about one's own work and know when it's ready. And sometimes we're gonna send stuff out that's not ready yet. And I want to tell everyone it's okay especially with me. If you send it to me and it's too early, I'll let you know it's too early. And, um, and when I say that it's too early, I'll, you know, you have an opportunity to revise and send it to me again. And unless I pass because I already represent a book about um, a girl who's taking piano lessons, who has a, you know, complicated relationship with her teacher, or I already represent. Wait, book. you mean you have books about complicated relationships? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or I already represent a book about, um, you know, a trans boy who raises a ghost from the dead and falls in love with him. Or <laughs> I already have a book about a girl whose father is on death row. You know, the so if I already have them, it's it's a conflict of interest and I'm not going to be the right agent for you. It doesn't mean that there's not someone else who's out there, but I've already represented that book and it's going to be harder for me to be the right person for you. That's a reason why I would pass. However, if, um, you know, but the most of the time I really pass is because it's not ready. And if you have, if you have submitted to me and I feel it's not ready, you know, take advantage of it. We, our agency allows you to submit and then you can resubmit a, uh, a revision in six months if it's been significantly revised. And I really encourage everyone to do that because if I, even if I've only read your first 10 pages and I say, you know what, I'm not, this isn't ready for me yet. You might revise those first 10 pages and make them completely different. And I will open up your query and read those 10 pages and think, it reads like a completely new novel and it's amazing. And I want to sign you, even though I didn't want to offer you rep um, six months ago. And so take advantage of those opportunities and don't be embarrassed if you send it too early. It is okay. I don't hold you, I don't hold it against you. In fact, I will be impressed that you're able to revise because I'm looking for people who are willing to persevere through rejection, which is super hard, who are able to continue to revise, continue to work on their craft and who are serious and professional. Um, and there are a lot of people out there, maybe even people tonight we'll see, who are on my radar, who have come to me, who are not ready yet, but I see the potential in them and I know that they're gonna get there. And when they do get there, I wanna be ready for them and I wanna, I wanna be, I hope that they will come back to me and that I'll be able to say yes at that point. So I know it's really hard to know when is, when are you ready? 
and I don't have a good answer for it, but I would say the best thing is to when you have maximized all of your own personal resources, when you've gotten it as good as you can get it on your own, and then you've gone to other readers, you've had other people read that you trust, you've gotten feedback, you've revised it, worked it. Um, the one thing that is never ready is the first draft. Don't ever, ever, ever send me or anybody else the first draft. It is definitely not ready. You need to revise. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a tough question. It's something I think we, every writer, I mean, as long as you're not like a narcissist, every writer struggles with that question. Um, oh, it's so hard. I mean, and yeah. and I've taken things out on submission that I thought were ready and then realized weren't. It's just, mm. we all make the mistakes. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Gonna, I see a lot of excitement for Cemetery Boys. And then too. we also started an old, old argument for, so on Wednesday nights, um, I host write-ins, virtual write-ins. And one of the questions I always ask them during the breaks is, what are you drinking tonight? And the, the team T crew is very emphatic <laughs> so they're in the comments right now too <laughs> yeah because uh, i don't drink tea so i think they do it mainly just to like poke at me <laughs> wait never ever tea like i've tried i tried to drink it a lot i've tried different kinds of it i have um do you know what a super taster is so it's like like 10% of the population has it. It's like a super, they call it super taster gene. Um, and, and so basically we just have like a stronger sense of smell and taste than a lot of people. Most of the people who are like professional taste testers have it. Oh. Um, but one of the big things, the one, one um, Sarah, flavor that it. You're a super taster? Mm-hmm. Wow. My entire family is, yeah. Um, oh. Cause it's genetic. It's a gene. Um, but. Uh, one of the things that's like the strongest flavor or a flavor that's like really strong is the bitter flavor. Wow. And so anything that's like slightly better for our super tasters is usually much, much more bitter. So huh. are you yeah. eating hot spicy foods or is it too intense? Oh yeah. It's spicy foods. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I can't eat kale, like kale. Mm, it's too, it's way too bitter. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. I know, weird. Yeah, yeah, we did uh um we, perfect pitch, flexibility. Yeah. No, yeah, no, <laughs> none of that for sure. <laughs> no, we did a test um in genetics class and they actually tested us for it. And they, it's like a strip of paper that they give you and you put it in your mouth. And they say if you can taste it, then you have the gene. If you can't taste it, you don't have the gene. And I remember like one of my classmates was kind of like almost chewing on it and she was like I think I can taste it and the teacher is like no you'd know and that was the time when I put mine in my mouth and then I spit it out and I was like oh why would you give that to me and he's like oh Sarah has it <laughs> so <laughs> yeah all right random aside completed <laughs> no I love um, it I've heard of that before now I'm curious but I I I think that's why, yeah, I haven't been able to find a tea I can really drink. Um, I come on, Ebony, come on. Let me just let me some have some peace. I don't drink tea. I'm sorry. Okay. I drink actually because my, you know, I'm from the south. Like we drink sweet tea like crazy, but like really sweet tea. Like it's wow. sugar water with some tea leaves that looked okay. at it once, you know. <laughs> so yeah all right uh let's get this back on track <laughs> um so now i'm gonna give you a chance to brag about yourself so please take full advantage of it um oh, yes yes uh so if someone is thinking about querying you and your wish list and their and your wish list lines up with their work why should someone query you um a few things um, I'm very passionate. I love my clients. I love their work. Um, one of the things that I love about this job is I like to be a champion for my clients because writing is really hard. Uh, trying to get published is really hard. The rejection is really hard. And so I like to cheer 
cheer my clients through the rough times and then really celebrate when things go well and all the moments in between. But I think it's especially important to celebrate the small moments and the small achievements. Um, I mean, the big ones are great, don't get me wrong, but um, the smaller moments really carry us through the rest, through the bad times. Um, I'm very transparent. I am very accessible. I, you can call me, you can text me, you can Skype me, um, I'm on WhatsApp, <laughs> um, Twitter. I'm not on a few social media, but um, I'm, very, I'm very accessible and I, I like to be in close contact with my clients. Um, I'm very editorial. Um, and this is perhaps a good thing and a bad thing, depending on your style. So my, um, this was always something that I did intuitively, um, but when I first started working for Laura editorially, um, she said something that really clicked with me. And that is that every negative is actually a positive. Everything that is quote unquote not working with your book is actually an opportunity to make it better. And I believe with I believe in that so much. I believe that you sometimes you have to write in the wrong direction to find the right path. And so my editorial style is very upbeat and positive. I'm the kind of person that will say, I wonder if you might do this, or what about these things, or what about think about this? I, I'm not the person who's gonna say, your story doesn't start until page 58 and you need to chop the first six you know chapters and you know I'm not gonna be that person who's gonna be very direct and blunt and um, negative about your work uh, it's just not my style and um, I think it's important for writers to know what is working just as well as what's not working sometimes when you're so close to everything it feels like nothing is working and so I think it's really helpful to know what is working so um, I, that's my editorial style, and for many people, I think it's a really good fit. Um, however, if you want something that's just really direct, cut this, chop this, what are you thinking, forget about this book, move on, um, maybe I'm not the right person for you. <laughs> All right. Um, and also, you represent New York Times bestselling author yeah. Aiden Thomas. Okay, yes. <laughs> I, I want to work with me. Yes, um, I have a New York Times bestselling book on my list um, by just the greatest, just such a great person, Aiden Thomas, who is really, really wonderful and deserves all the success. And the book was just long listed for the for the National Book Award, which is super exciting. Um, actually, all three of my YA books that came out this year, if I want to brag, all have, all have at least two starred reviews, private life three starred reviews. This is My America. Um, was for three weeks on the IndieBound bestseller list and continues to sell really well. And uh, Aiden's book's been on the Indie bestseller list. So it's been a really, really exciting time. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I was, it was such a moment of joy when we all found out that Aiden hit the list. Like, oh my my God. I know my entire Twitter stream was just people like yelling and like shouting and joy. It was so great. It was such a great moment. <laughs> We, yeah, I wanted it so badly and it was so gratifying. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I want, I don't have any horse in this race and I wanted it badly. I bought three copies that week. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's been, it's been such an exciting and gratifying ride. And I had known Aiden for a while. Aiden and I both went to Mills, although at different times we both went our MFA there and I, and I just, Aiden was just a bright light from the get-go. I just adore him so much. He's worked really hard and he he is he's just a driving force. He is just awesome and amazing. And just yeah. and I actually I always ask Aiden, like, what is it? What are you doing? What's your secret sauce? And he says, you know what? I'm just doing what I love. And I really believe that it's true. Like he's being his authentic self and he's talking about things that are uh, his passion. And it's just, you know, it, it's just, I mean, it's just so, it's just so endearing. You just want to be a part of it. It's yeah. And I think that's actually the secret to success for all of you. Be yourself, write your true authentic self, like go after your truths, share your innermost feelings. It's, it can be scary to put yourself out there, but um, those are the stories that we all love the most. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. We can, 
That's enough Aiden love for one day. <laughs> but I love all of my clients. I've got, uh, yeah. I've got clients who are just doing great and wonderful things. Um, like if you miss me that I mentioned is going to be coming out next year. And that book is, I mean, I just saw the final art for it and it makes me cry. It's so, good. so good. And um, yeah, I'm negotiating an offer for another client who's going to illustrate her third picture book. Uh, mm. I, yeah, things are great yeah. things happening. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so Celeste had a kind of um, specific question, but I thought it was interesting. So we're going to um, talk about that. I had a contract with a small publishing company, but they couldn't find an illustrator for my picture book. After a year, I ended the contract. At what point do I share this information with an agent? So, and I'm guessing the person is querying that particular project so that it was yeah, under I'm so. trying to sell it again. I would say that you share that right away in the query. Um, and if like, if that book came to me and I saw that it had been under contract and then had fallen out of contract and um, the author was trying to sell it again, um, first of all, if I, when I get a picture book project, um, if I really like it, I'll ask for two or three more. And the reason is because picture books are short projects. It's a very competitive market. Um, things go up and down all the time, and we, we're not going to be able to sell all of your picture books. So we want to make sure we've got additional projects that we can go out with. So that's one thing. But if I do like um, all of the projects and I want to offer representation, before I get there, I will ask what the submission history is on all of those books. Because more importantly than was the book already under contract, which I do want to know, I also want to know how many different publishers have seen it and how many editors might have already passed on it. Because if you've already shared your book with uh, 20 editors and they've all said no, that means those are 20 editors that I cannot I can no longer take the book to. They have said no. And and so it's really important to find out about submission history. The same is true with novels as well, because I want to know, you know, can I sell it for you? And and can I will I be able to help you? So in that particular case, I would share that it had been um, under contract. If you've had an agent in the past, you should mention that as well. And I'm gonna ask you, you know, why did you part ways? Not because I'm trying to be nosy, but more to make sure that I'm going to be the right fit for you um, moving forward. You know, if something didn't work in the past um, and it's like, you know, the editorial style is um, every negative is a positive, then I'm not going to be the right person for you. <laughs> so it's important to just know like what, you know, just know the history and, and be transparent about it. And I'll yeah. find out anyway because I'm going to look it up. I'm going to research. Cool. Yeah. All right, great. Um, all right, so this is probably going to be our last question because okay. um, we are almost out of time, and I know you have uh, you have even more work to do after you get off with okay. us. Um, so Maxwell asks about um, what are they called? Form rejections. Um, many agents don't. Are many agents utilize a pre-written rejection that doesn't usually give any sort of reason? How would you recommend interpreting and moving forward from these kinds of rejections? So that's a great question, and um, Sarah and I were talking about this earlier. That you know, I um, get. I was just. I just did the math. This month so far, I've been averaging twenty-two queries a day. And I read all of my own queries. No one else reads them for me. And I would love, I really would love to be able to send everyone notes and everyone thoughts about their book, but it is just impossible for me to do that. So I have some, some canned, some form rejections. Um, I really want to help people. So I actually have like 15 or 20 different <laughs> rejections with different reasons that might to you that could actually give you notes because I'll see there's a lot of I get a lot of common problems and so I will um, I'll say like for picture books for example a lot of times like I'll, it'll be a fantastic picture book and then the ending just is sort of flat and just sort of falls like or it's expected or it's just not it's just like it'll be like oh it's so good oh and you probably know what I'm talking about with me and and picture book endings are super hard and so one of the common notes I'll give is like, it's, you know, 
there's an opportunity to make this picture book ending much more interesting. And I wonder if there's a way to, to do a surprise twist at the end that kind of catches the reader off guard that's either funny or sweet or better yet both. And so like I will send a canned rejection of that. But he's talking about, thank you so much, I didn't fall in love with it. Or thank you so much, it wasn't a good fit for my list. Um, the way to interpret that is that that agent is not the right fit for your book. And, <laughs> and the thing is, is that you want the agent, like me, if I'm going to offer you representation, I'm going to read your book at least four or five times, and I want to be in love with it. I want to, you don't want me to like read it once and then read it twice, and then the third time be like, oh, I just don't want to read that book again. I'm so bored. You want me to be like really passionate about it, want it like feel like it's a really important book be able to pitch it be able to represent you in the best way and if i don't have that pa driving passion i'm just not the right person for you and you will find that right person and it just takes some time i know it's really hard when you get just those flat those just you know rejections but they're doing you a favor you want the person who wants you and i feel the same way about when i ask representation for um to, for an author I want them to want to work with me. I mean, I talked a lot about bad relationships. I've had a lot of bad relationships. I'm too old to go out with somebody who's not into me anymore. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be with someone who wants to be with me, and you should want to be with someone who wants to be with you and who's really willing to go for the map for you and, and, and pitch you and love you and take care of you and elevate you and try and sell your book. You don't want them to just do it for a quick buck or whatever. You want them to care about your work and know and be able to articulate why it is so wonderful. So I know those flat rejections are hard and disappointing. You can take it that they're not ready, that one of two ways, either they're just not the right person for you or that they're not the right person for this particular project. And it could be if you're hearing that from everyone and you're hearing crickets or you're getting just form rejections, I want you to take another look at your opening pages and another look at your pitch. It could be that your pages are not ready yet. And just like I said earlier, don't be embarrassed about that. It just means that you need to put in more work, but you want this job. And so you're willing to put in the work and same with the pitch. Is it exciting? Does it hook you? Does it, is it some, um, do, do the opening pages set up, raise a question in the reader's mind that makes them want to know the answer. Those are the things you want your opening pages to do. And so I want you to think about like, are my pages really achieving what I want them to achieve? And if you really do feel like, no, I'm genius, this is brilliant, whatever, then the agent's not the right person for you. I Yeah, I always like to tell a story about the first book that I queried because I, I was querying it. It was, I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. I was like, oh, someone's going to pick this up in no time, you know, um, when I was naive. <laughs> and, um, and then I wrote, you know, while I was querying that, I read another book and then, um, I wrote another book. And so that's, that's actually the first one that got picked up. Um, but I, after I got my agent, I went back and I kind of, I looked at that first book that I queried. I was like, maybe I can kind of like clean it up or something. And I was like, this book is terrible. Like, <laughs> You know, I needed like three years of distance to recognize that. Um, but it was because it was it wasn't the first book that I wrote, but it was the first book that I wrote, like with the intention of writing a sellable book. Um, it was the second book that I wrote. And it was like so derivative. Um, it was just very cliched, you know, and I was like, oh, I can't believe so many people read this. <laughs> Um, you were learning. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I needed to write that book so that I could write the next book so that I could write finally the book that was sellable, you know? So. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's why I said like, it's okay for you to make mistakes and it's okay for you to, if you sent something out and it wasn't ready, it's absolutely okay. I mean, take a break and then keep working on your craft. Don't just keep sending it out. Um, but and yeah. you need to find some good friends who can give you some honest advice, who can say to you, you know what, maybe this book isn't the right one right now, or, you know, I, why don't you try something else? Yeah, well, even, so I definitely, I had a, I got my first critique group at the same time that I was kind of like working on that book. And, and they gave me great feedback on it. But the most important thing to me now that I'm looking back on it is that 
getting those critiques and also giving other people's critiques and then hearing their critiques of the other people in the group taught me so much about writing. I learned so much about writing because of that book, not necessarily from that book. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And the other great thing about being in a critique group, and I really highly recommend everyone do it. Now, not all critique groups are great. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it can actually be detrimental if you're getting really negative feedback or if you're, if you're more worried about does my critique partner like me or not, then if it's about the work, then break up, go to have coffee with them and find someone else who you can really trust with your writing. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about a critique group, yes, it's important to get feedback on your work, but even more importantly, I think it's important to read other people's work. You want to see other people's rough drafts because you will see in their work what's not working and you will begin to realize you'll be able to see what could help them make it better, what's a way to elevate it. And then you will also see things that you're doing yourself in your own writing. And because you're able to see their work objectively and see how to a way to fix their work, you can realize, oh, oh yeah, and I'm doing that too. And hey, maybe the solution I have for them would actually work for my own writing. Mm-hmm. So I wish that I, I wish that everyone who is here tonight could actually read my query box because you would see, like I get a lot of the same projects that with similar issues that people are struggling with. And you see that you're not alone, that a lot of people make these kinds of mistakes. And then you also see why certain things don't work and why. Like you'll go to a conference and you'll hear a ton of don'ts. Like don't start with a dream. Don't start, you know, there's a whole debate about prologues. Well, the reason you hear all of that stuff is because a lot of times dreams just don't work. It's a passive way to convey information to the reader. And it's not as interesting as if we're in a scene where things are happening in real time on the page. But it's hard to see, it's hard to understand that as the writer, if you haven't read a version of it that doesn't work, and especially if you haven't read like 20 versions of it that don't work. So um, I highly recommend getting into a group where you can read other writers' rough drafts, and then it will just inform your own writing in the best way. Definitely. Yeah, I had a great group that taught me so, so, so much. Um, All right. Well, that seems like a great uh, note to end on. So um, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you can find out more information about Jennifer and how to submit to her at andreabrownlit.com. And then also you can find her on Twitter at March Soloway. Um, and that, I think those links are also in the description. So you can go ahead and grab them down there too. Um, <laughs> please yes, come to him. I like to share it. So I'm forever learning craft and I love craft and I love writing tips. When I got out of my MFA, I thought I knew everything. And then um, I learned so much from other writers and things like where I was like, why didn't I ever learn this before? So, um, and I'm constantly learning today. Um, like I'm working on a, a client manuscript right now and I might tweet out a few twip, uh, tips that I learned from this one. Um, anyway, I like to share. So, uh, follow me for those tips. I've been a little bit slow on the tips lately, but I'm going to add some more next couple yeah. of weeks. Well, you've had a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> I've had a busy couple of weeks. It's been very exciting. And All right, well, if, you, if anyone's waiting to hear from me, I'm sorry. I'm so behind. I'm really trying to catch up. And if it's not you, it's me. I just need <laughs> All right. Um, Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us. And um, everyone stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.